This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and at night on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Tuesday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Brett, how are we today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm fine. Uh, you and I had a absolutely magnificent experience earlier today. Because, okay, so as one of the things we've talked about is that, I mean, Brett has sat down with me repeatedly and said, you don't have enough best of shows to do this as a best of over, over the holidays, Matt. We've, we've listened. We've scoured the vault. Okay, there's not enough there. And by the way, just just as a listener to radio myself, yeah, sometimes when you get into like the second week of a best of, it's kind of bad. You know, it's like Colbert. Colbert is great. But then he has his appendix rupture, and it's two weeks of of, of of best ofs. And you know what? No, I'm not. Yeah, it's it's okay. All right. Not that I don't enjoy them. It's just, yeah, I don't need to listen to watch any more dated stuff, you know? So we didn't want to do that. And then I also think that it, it just is, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that some people get forced to have to work in this industry on, on holidays. And I don't want to be the person that drank someone in here on a holiday. So. We do best of shows, or excuse me, not best of shows. We do brand new shows. We don't have enough best of We do brand new to you shows. And starting on Friday, we are going to be airing brand new to you content that runs all the way through the holidays. And except for a live show on the 29th, we're going to be back here live on the 29th, which we're looking forward to. And then, uh, but, uh, you know, for Christmas, the holiday week, New Year's, beginning of the next week after it, brand new to you programming right here on uh, both AM 950 and WCPT 820. Today, one of the interviews that we did was uh, a Canadian comedian, uh, Stuart Reynolds, a.k.a. Brittle Star. And holy God, is he one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. D- did you spend any time, Brett, after we interviewed him? Did you spend any time going and looking at any of his videos up on, on the social medias? Uh, I have not yet, no. Go look at his social medias. He is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. One of the he gets modern internet culture better than most people do, and he is very funny. He has a brand new book out. We talked to him about that. That is one, one, one of the interviews we have scheduled up for you. Uh, just an amazing lineup. We'll, we'll we'll run over all that coming up here on Thursday when we do the show. Uh, but I wanted to give you a heads up on that because it is just it's there it, it's something we like doing and the listeners love it so you know we're not going to get in the way we're not going to get in the way of what you want you know you're you're voracious but hey I'm a pleaser so <laughs> so enjoy that uh, that's good once again we're going to be starting the brand new to you shows on Friday this week uh, and enjoy that and also I should mention here if I can. Uh, we have the brand new edition of the flagship station calendar, AM 950 Radio. Uh, it's something we've done now four years. So, you know, and I and I mentioned this before. We, what happened is during 2020, we had um, 
uh, you know, obviously a pandemic year, we, we couldn't go do anything. The only thing we could do was go out to parks and go hike at the parks. And so we, I started doing that with my kids and we went around, we went everywhere. We hiked every freaking park, small park, big park, city, county, municipality, statewide, some federal, you know, we walked everywhere. It was magnificent. And then at the end of the year, because like a lot of businesses, the radio station industry had been, you know, it had uh, a little bit of a, a problem as far as uh, finances. We decided we were going to do a calendar. And we what we did is this, is that you can sponsor AM 950 radio. And then if you sponsor AM 950 radio at certain levels, you get yourself the AM 950 calendar as a thank you. And uh, that was four years ago. Here's the fourth edition, the fourth edition with photos I took. And really, once again, I think, you know, I think everyone else here has got, you know, issues. I, I mean, they, they, they all say they're beautiful. Everyone seems to like them. You can judge for yourself here. Uh, so I encourage you to go check this out. Help sponsor not only uh, AM 950, but by WCPT 820 as well. Help them out any way you can. And if you go to am950radio.com, you can find out more about sponsorship levels and getting the calendar uh, as a thank you. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Longtime listeners of the Matt McNeil Show know how much I just really do... Uh, Try to find the other side with the Confederates. Oh, ho, ho, what a wacky bunch of nutbags. Huh? <laughs> Trying to destroy the United States just so you could keep black people as slaves. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, you're horrible, horrible, horrible people. All of you. And I'm sorry, I understand it was mostly wealthy white people that had slaves and most of the people that fought weren't there. But you were dumb enough to get roped into this by the wealthy white people who basically used your blood to basically uh, try to keep slaves. So I'm not a big fan. And, you know, the, the, the state of Illinois, the state of Indiana, the state of Wisconsin, the state of Minnesota have numerous cases, numerous cases of Union troops bravely bravely defending this country and it, it, it is remarkable to me that you you'll go through some of these towns in in illinois and indiana and wisconsin and in minnesota and you'll see an idiot flying the confederate flag I'll give you a great example of this the minnesota first uh at gettysburg the second day at gettysburg this unit massively outnumbered took on basically 10 times the amount of Confederates because there was a hole in the line on Cemetery Ridge and they won. And no, you guys in the South can't have your flags back. We earned those. Uh, it is the greatest loss of life by a single unit to still be standing at the end of the battle in the history of the U.S. military. No joke. There's a reason why when you go out to Gettysburg, the second biggest memorial out there besides Pennsylvania is Minnesota. Minnesota saved the Union, and it's, and, it's, and it's it's something there. So whenever I see someone flying the Confederate flag as in the state of Minnesota, it's like, wow, you hate this state, don't you? Well, I didn't say that. Well, then you're too stupid for your own good. I am not a fan of the Confederates. Just not. Not going to happen. That's why I've also been somewhat stunned at the reluctance to remove the traitorous bastard names from, say, our military forts, which most of our military forts carry the name of Confederate generals and stuff. And they were, you know, a lot of them do. And uh, yeah, they, they, they shouldn't. They absolutely shouldn't. We should rename them after, I don't know, proud Americans 
not the guys who were killing proud Americans. I mean, just, just you know, semantics. You know how it goes. Well, the U.S. Army and the military has kind of come around and said, you know what, yeah, I don't think we should have any more memorials to people that killed Army members and military members and Marines and the Navy and the Air Force. Well, maybe not the Air Force with the Confederates, but, you know, a little, you know, spoiler alert. <laughs> it was just like that Indiana Jones movie. Anyway, no, it didn't happen. Just didn't happen. Not two pieces. Okay. Mads Mikkelsen was fantastic in that movie, though, by the way. Very entertaining. That being said, um, they, they, they've, they've got a Confederate memorial in a lot of places and they shouldn't, they shouldn't really, they shouldn't No, they shouldn't because the Confederates were horrible and they killed a lot of Americans. It'd be like flying an ISIS flag or, uh, the, the flag of the Nazis. Oh, I probably shouldn't give you guys uh, any ideas there, uh, Trump fans. But, you know, you get the point. These were the enemies of the United States, not people we should remember fondly. So at Arlington, which, by the way, uh, interesting story, that's Robert E. Lee's, uh, was it his plantation, I believe, in Virginia. Um, Robert E. Lee's plantation was confiscated by the U.S. government and turned into Arlington Memorial Cemetery. Uh, National Cemetery. So that's actually Lee's place because, you know, you know, bite that one there, Lee. Anyway, uh, that's Arlington. And apparently in Arlington, there's a Confederate memorial. <sighs> it should be gone. A judge has temporarily halted the removal of a Confederate memorial at Arlington National Cemetery just hours after work to remove the memorial had begun. The military-wide effort to remove Confederate symbols from bases and other facilities across the country met resistance Monday after a federal judge issued a temporary restraining order uh, requested by a group called Defend Arlington. Wait, we did. They lost. <laughs> Defend Arlington. Screw you, you unpatriotic, traitorous jackasses. Anywho... Um, defend Arlington. <laughs> Come on. A lawsuit by the group accuses the army, which runs the cemetery dedicated to soldiers, of violating regulations and seeking to remove the memorial. Did they sound like Yosemite, Sam? I just wanted to know. <laughs> Is that their argument in court? I just wanted to know. The removal will desecrate, damage, and likely destroy the memorial longstanding and... And ANC has a grave marker to impede the memorial's eligibility for listing as the National Registry of Historic Places, the lawsuit says. The statue unveiled in 1914. And by the way, if you go back to history, that was at a time when basically because and, – and spoiler alert, Grant was screwed up. He wanted Rutherford B. Hayes to win the election, and the South really hadn't been taught the lesson yet. But Rutherford B. Hayes technically actually lost the election. Uh, and, and so what was going to happen was uh, the, the, you know, basically the, the Democrats were going to win, knock, you know, knock his hand-picked successor out of the White House. And instead, what happened is he brokered a deal with the southern states that said, well, if Rutherford B. Hayes is the winner, we'll remove the federal troops from the south. And frankly, I think it was the state of Mississippi actually tracked, ran down their ballot, you know, cart <laughs> they ran it down and brought it back to to to, to mississippi to, to jackson to basically oh let's recount these oh look hey what do you know rutherford b hayes won 
And so, yeah, it was it was kind of one of those things. Uh, there was, because we didn't deal with things as we should have at the time, uh, this undercurrent that somehow the Confederacy was just some kind of misunderstood, misunderstand, you know, you know, scrappy, you know, bunch of rapscallions was was kind of allowed to fester. And by the time we got to the 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, it really exploded into this, you know, we need to remember all these great people and yeah, they, we shouldn't have. Anyway, they attacked the United States just so they could keep slaves. Anyway, um, yeah, they, that was 1914. Uh, it's meant to be a, mar- a mon- the statue unveiled in 1914 and meant to be a monument to American South features of black women depicted as Mammy, in quotes, and an enslaved man following his owner to war. Wow. More than 40 House Republicans signed a letter through the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin last week arguing the sta- statue should not be removed. A hearing on the fate will be held to, uh, tomorrow. So maybe we can just, I don't know, get rid of the Confederacy, the anti-American bastards who killed a lot of Americans as they had tried their hardest to keep slaves. The more you know, rainbow side effect, you know, special effect. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Come on back. It's a dark day. I'll get to all the news in just a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since it's the Matt McNeil Show go, on your Tuesday. Know. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. I want to bring up once again something, okay, you have to understand about the news media. They desperately want to keep this election close. They desperately want to keep it close because that's how they make a ton of money with special interest groups and campaigns spending a lot of money. I want to also revisit a a, a reality that has become undeniable. There is a reason why in 2020, 2022, that polling numbers were off. And the reason why is because you cannot judge Generation Z, the youngest voters, the uh, I'm not sure when Generation Z goes to. Is it 2020? Is the end of their their generational reign? And I don't know what the next one is. I mean, well, you know, XY chromosome, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> zygots, <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, Generation Z is the, you know, this this new generation that's starting to vote. And as a matter of fact, I have two kids who are both Generation Z. One, my son was born at the very beginning of it in, in 2001. And my daughter is born in 2004. I have a third daughter who's 2007, and she cannot vote yet, but she is definitely Generation Z. And when you look at Generation Z and then the late millennials, there is a very interesting element to them when it comes to elections. Two things. One, they can't really stand Republicans. And two, they're voting which has been a, no one's been more shocked than the Democrats because all of a sudden they're showing up and they're showing up in force. Because frankly, as I have said numerous times, they're tired of our crap. You know, they, they, they keep seeing their kids, their, their friends get gunned down in schools and a bunch of politicians going, mm-hmm, thinking that that's some sort of solution. By the way, I saw an exceptional ad over this weekend where it was a woman trying to frantically, um, you know, her, her daughter had fallen into a pool and she comes on out to the side of the pool and she sits down and she starts praying. And 
the child is in the water and everyone walks by and goes, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And no one's jumping in the water to save the child. I mean, it really, um, a well done, uh, you know, commercial talking about the ineptitude when it comes to dealing with gun violence in the United States of America. The, this generation, they vote and they vote with intent and they are going to be voting for many, many years. And it's a huge problem for the Republicans because when you look at it, they're losing their strongest base tragically to death. I mean, the baby boomers, the, you know, the, the greatest generation, the lost generation, the baby boomers, they're pretty much dying off. The baby boomers are the largest group still around, but they, their numbers are whittling and sure didn't help a lot for people to say COVID isn't real. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Someone should have said, wait a second here. These are the guys that vote for us. Maybe we should try to keep them alive. You know, I don't know, you know, specifics. Uh, but you have this this generation that's coming on out the problem with gauging them and where their temperature is at is they don't take polls they don't like online polls unless it's what you know woodland creature are you you know you know, what is your what what taylor swift song would you be and it, you know if, if what what dating show on netflix works best with your personality that's the kind of thing they'll take those polls but they don't take political polls. And this is not just me. I, I, you know, just saying this, I've talked to a lot of these people and they, they do not, this is not something they do. And they also do not answer calls on their phones. They're not up on, on Instagram out there looking and say, Oh, I could take a political poll. Well, sign me up. Let's go to survey monkey. No, they don't do that. So when you look at polls, and one of the things as well, ever since Roe v. Wade was overturned, every poll in this country seems to be off by what? About 8 to 10 points. Pro-Democrat. That's why. I mean, reminder, 2022, it's a red tsunami. It's going to be a red tsunami. (laughs) How's that worked out for the Republicans? Trifecta in Minnesota, trifecta in Michigan. Yeah, don't get me wrong. And Republican strongholds, well, they were state Republican strongholds. But in toss-up states, they got their cabooses handed to them, and the House has been kind of a mess. So when you hear polling numbers, take it with a grain of salt. When you ever hear something, and I'm going to take this and I'm going to do a long, a deep dive with this when we come back from the break as well. But when you hear certain things about them, let's just unpack what you're suggesting, Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, this is the New York Times one. And by the way, go read the art. I'm not going to post it because it's garbage. But read the bottom of the New York Times thing. We, we're really serious. We keep looking here and this looks like it's legit. <laughs> I don't think it's legit. As recently as this summer, a poll with Donald Trump leading among young voters would have been eye-popping. Now it's increasingly familiar. Our New York Times Siena National Poll released Tuesday has is no exception. For the first time, Trump leads President Biden among young voters in the Times Siena National Survey, 49 to 43%. Really? Really? Donald Trump, Mr. I just took away your rights for women. Mr. I'm against the LGBTQ community. Mr. Nazi cosplayer. He's leading with kiddos. The most woke generation this country has ever seen. That guy. That guy. 
by six, you say. That guy. That is absolute, utter bull. That is, without a doubt in my mind, absolute, utter bull. There is no way on the planet Donald Trump is leading with young voters. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to put a caveat on that here coming up in a little bit, but I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Usually it's not worth dwelling too much on a subsample of a single poll, but it's basically this basic story about young voters who are present in nearly every major survey at this point. Our own battleground state surveys in the fall showed something similar with Biden ahead by a single point among those 18, 19, 29. Either figure is a big shift from Biden's 21-point lead in the final poll before the midterms and his 10-point lead in the national poll in July. Now, one of the things I could not find at all was their methodology. Now, we talked about, and there was a poll up here in Minnesota from a, a news outlet called MinPost. And I went and looked at their methodology. It was, uh, they called, some of the calls, the smaller percentage was the small callers of people who are registered voters, which that's going to skew definitely older. But then they said it was polls on Instagram and Facebook. Was it Facebook? I can't remember exactly. Anyway, it was online polls. And I'm like, okay, you know, Generation Z doesn't take those. They're not out there taking those polls. You know who is, is Republican kids who definitely want to go on out there and skew these polls because that's, you know, the, the, the ones that are following the rage accounts on social media. Those are the guys who are searching this stuff out, not the most Republicans. For God's sakes, my kid's school, a suburban school, 15 years ago, had an active Republican club. They don't even have one anymore. And once again, this is a suburban school district. Most suburban school districts don't even have, or if they have one, it's like four guys. They don't have them anymore. It has been dramatically dis- decreasing. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, more on this when I do come back. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show. But it's wrong. Cause Chris. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk and AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. Now, once again, these polls that are coming on right now, they're generally almost worthless because you're only really consistently polling people 35 and older. It might even be 40 and older. And it is my belief, considering most young people I know, if you start talking about taking a poll, will glaze over that most of the people that are responding to this poll might be saying they're Democrats, but the reality is that they're Republicans. Rage Republicans are basically the, the guys that scour Twitter constantly and you know are internet trolls. Because none of these numbers add up. Once again, you're saying that the guy who took away women's rights women's rights for teenagers who has been an absolutely anti-LGBTQIA plus tyrant who has been against immigrant communities and minority communities who said, who said that when the people were, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the racists were attacking people in Charlottesville, there are good people on both sides. The guy who can't stop saying Hitler stuff, 
you're saying to me that all of a sudden this, the most woke generation we've ever had in this country is resonating towards Trump. Bull crap. No. Come on, man. And the fact, and it tells me that even the New York Times isn't buying it when half of this article is saying, well, we really, really, really went over this stuff. We can't keep going. It's got to be true. Now, I think they want it to be true because it gives them the the ability to basically go on out there and say, hey, Celia, look at our reporting. We're saying it's close. That is what it's, there's, there's, the deal is. Now, there is one thing that has definitely poisoned the water hole, per se, for Joe Biden when it comes to younger voters. And I have heard a lot about this. Like I said, I, got a, I know a bunch of kids who are in college because my kids are in college right now. It's the whole thing with Israel. Young voters in the survey took an extraordinarily negative view of Israel's recent conduct. They overwhelmingly say Israel isn't doing enough to prevent uh, civilian casualties in Gaza before believe Israel isn't interested in peace and think Israel should stop its military campaign, even if it means Hamas isn't eliminated. You might think that young voters with these progressive or even left-wing views would be among the most likely to stick with Biden, but last of now, but that's not the case. The young Biden's 20 voters with anti-Israel viewers are the likeliest to report switching to Trump which is where this goes crazy. It's just nuts that this is something that you believe. Now, I'm not actually, before you got to that last slide about they're jumping to Trump, I'm actually not disagreeing with that. And I'm going to come back to that here in a second. I want to come back to that issue. I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of people, 25 and younger, who are voters, who Biden has kind of really made mad because of his official response to this. I get that. But that they've switched to Trump, that that they're going with Trump, Trump, this is okay. So no matter if you are a young person and, and by the way, elderly people, you're going to have to sit down with people over the holidays and explain this to them. Okay. You'll, you will. Doesn't mean, Hey, I'm not weighing in on what's going on over there. You know, once again, Israel didn't deserve what happened to them. At the same time, no one can deny that their response has been heavy-handed, to say the least. The fact that they shot three of their own hostages, it tells me they're, they're shooting first and asking questions later. There's a lot of criticism that can go around here. That This is not about weighing in on that. I just want to weigh on in on this in case there are younger voters, Generation Z, who are saying, I'm going to go to Trump, Trump. The guy who has said that anyone who supports Palestinians or Hamas will be deported. Trump, they're on, they, they, they think that Biden's handling was so bad, they're going with the guy whose party has repeatedly said they endorse Israel killing every Palestinian they can. And that is something that I've heard multiple Republicans say, I am perfectly fine with every one of the Palestinians being killed. I am perfectly fine with, I've heard Republicans say this. If you've heard Trump's rhetoric lately about poisoning the blood and vermin, that is not saying, "Eh, but I love the Palestinians. No, that's not him. So you're saying to me, you're upset how Joe Biden, and understandably, you can be upset about that, but you're jumping on board of that clown car parade? No. Even if they are, educate them. Say you're pro-Israel. 
All right. Now, and let's say, say you are one of the younger voters who's pro-Israel and you're upset that Biden hasn't shown enough support. So you've gone with Trump. Have you seen who's joined the I'm the biggest BFF to Nazi Germany's Hitler fan club lately? It's Donnie. Donnie T. He cannot stop emulating talking points straight from the Reichstag. You're going to stay as I I mean, if I was from Israel and if I was Jewish, I am not, I would be a little hesitant to getting into bed with someone who's praising Hitler's points of view. I think that's a bad sign. So, We'll just go with an argument. I'm not going to deny the fact that there is a lot of people with Generation Z who have been upset with Biden, and fair enough. But you, if they're actually out there saying, you know what, I'm going to vote for Trump, then you need to educate them on what they're like. Because you may not like Joe Biden's response, but lining up every Palestinian and shooting them is not, is not a better, more humanitarian response to what Joe Biden is doing understood when 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 the the racists in charlottesville were marching down the street and screaming the jews will not replace us i want to remind you that donald trump said there were good people in there so if you're pro-israel and you're thinking about supporting donald trump just keep that in mind that, you see, that's where the problem comes in. You, you, you get some of this stuff that makes sense. Okay, yeah, no, I do know some people who are Generation Z that are somewhat very upset. I know a lot of people who are upset about how things have gone in the Middle East and are upset with Biden's response. I get that. But then to say you're going to support Trump, either you are intentionally ignorant to what Trump has said and done about this, or, or you're Republicans posing as Democrats trying to answer this poll to try to drive wedges. And frankly, right now, that's what my guess would be is because the Republicans know that most Generation Z is not going to answer these polls. So they're basically saying, if you're, if you're Generation Z, if you're a Republican, go out there and say you're, you're, you're a Generation Z Democrat and how upset you are, Joe Biden, I'm voting for Donald Trump because this does not make any damn sense, period. But do your due diligence, and trust me, I will. If I come across a Generation Zer over the holidays who is like, I'm going to vote for Trump. Oh, uh, what? Uh, Trump is winning 21% of young Biden's 21, 20 voters. Of, uh, of young Biden 20 voters who sympathize more with Palestine than Israel, while winning 12% of other young Biden 12 voters. And it was even more striking sign of defections among his own supporters. That doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any damn sense. Um, you know, Biden, th- th- then they come back and they say the same poll says Biden ahead among likely voters. <laughs> even though he trails among registered voters, Biden actually leads Trump in the first measure of the 2024 likely electorate, 24 to 27 unlikely voters. So, yeah, it, this doesn't make a damn bit of sense. And yeah, um, 
Then there's the NBC poll. Once again, same thing. Younger voters are defecting and and they're all going to vote for Trump. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? The, the guy, once again, I want to make sure we understand this. The, the guy who took away... I do not know a single young woman who is under the age of 29 who feels as if Donald Trump represents them. Not a single one. Don't get me wrong. I know some people who are against abortion. Absolutely. But when they look at, you know, this, that, that they understand that that's not the choice that everyone should be, they shouldn't necessarily be making the choice they demand. And that when you get to states where they're limiting health care for women because a bunch of white guys without a medical degree are insisting that that's wrong, that, you, that they are walking away from it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the chronic problem we've documented ever since they overturned it. They can't win a damn election. In Virginia, they tried a softer tone and they got beat. In Ohio, they were only supposed to be win by one or two points. They lost by, I think it was 11 total in Ohio on that ballot measure. They've lost in Kansas. They've, they've lost in, in state at Montana. They lost in Montana. And you guys keep saying that, well, now all of a sudden they, they, they made that vote. And now all of a sudden they're on board with Trump. What are you talking about? They, this is, in, I think the egregious element of this with the New York Times and, and NBC, I think the egregious element of it is that you have these news outlets who just common sense would should tell you, okay, this doesn't make any damn sense. And by the way, it should tell you if you're putting a public poll out there where anyone could lie about who they are. And I get it. This is this is their result. This is the response that they had when they basically couldn't use landlines anymore because they realized landlines were out there. So now they go out there and they they don't just target anyone. They just put a a random poll out there that anyone could answer and say basically, oh, I'm a Democrat and I'm young. Could be a 50-year-old guy who's who's a, a lifelong Republican. Doesn't matter. That's what they're saying. And, you know, you basically have the blockbuster movie awards at that point. That's all, that's all you've got is the blockbuster freaking movie awards. You don't really have actual polling because there is the, – the problem with your polls is not sometimes, oh, are Democrats, some of the young people upset? Absolutely. And now they're all supporting Trump. Bull crap. Uh, Mike is in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. Welcome on in, Mike. Thanks for holding. Thank you. After 2016, anybody who believes the polls has got rocks in their head. If you watch the corporate media, they'll put something on about Trump, and it's never good because he does nothing good. And then they'll put something on about Biden. Like They won't put on that the stock market, S&P 500, is up to four, almost 4,800 in the and the Dow Jones is up to 37,000. They won't put anything good on there. All they say is inflation, cost of living. They're running well, them down. Well, no, and Mike, and Mike, Mike Trump and it, draws Trump draws the spectators. Well, draws and viewers. and Mike and, and thanks Mike. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, let me add that when they'll talk about inflation, they'll talk about oh, Joe Biden's responsible for inflation and then they'll turn around and say, "And look at these record record corporate profits." And wait a second, you can't have record corporate profits and inflation at the same time because then it's not inflation, it's just plain old fashioned greed. And that's what you have. 
Here is my impression of what the news is like nowadays. This is my impression. Joe Biden's failing with his supporters. Meanwhile, Trump's appeal never stops to stop stops ending. Oh my god. That if you take a look at most of the news coverage of this and why? Why is it like that? Because all of these are businesses. They are not news organizations. They are not journalism organizations. They are businesses. And if they all of a sudden start saying, well, it looks like it's a 20 point lead for Biden because Johnny Nazi over there keeps blabbering, they know that that costs them money. So they would rather sound like idiots and send out their pollsters going, we're just as shocked as everyone else. And then on election day, when Biden wins by 20 points with young voters say, boy, did Biden turn things around? <laughs> oh, he sure got the young voters turned around. No, your polls were wrong. Intentionally wrong. Intentionally wrong. Don't cry, it's no Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Don't cry, snowman. Don't leave me this way. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Tuesday. 952-946-6205. You want to know how ludicrous this whole thing is? I'm going to read three paragraphs from the NBC poll story. Polling a year out from the election is a snapshot in time, and Biden and his party have time to bring young voters back into the fold, but the other sell it, it'll take work. So they're already basically saying, yeah, we don't know if this is going to be what it ends up being. This is the alarm bell we needed to make sure that not only the Biden campaign, but every Democratic operative out there in the campaign down the ballot, state and local, actually invest in the young people because we know how much they change the outcome. Have you seen what the Republicans are talking about? Investing in young people. <laughs> that's because that's the implication, right? Well, the Democrats need to invest in young people because that's what the Republicans are. No, they're not. Here's this one. This one is just listen to this. NBC News spoke with voters who responded to the poll. Okay. <laughs> Once again, deeply flawed. As well as the other voters, 18 to 34, who supported Biden in 2020 now, but who now say they hasn't earned their vote for next year to get a clearer picture why they're unhappy with Biden. So basically, your entire story is poll respondents who you can't verify whether or not they were legitimate in their response or people who are already intentionally mad at Biden. And you call this a fair and balanced report. No, this is, this is the news story that NBC points to when Trump or the Republican party comes saying, why should we advertise with you? So we'll see we're we're, we're not reporting. We've reported all these things, how Biden's in trouble. And you see, is that's what the deal is. That's what the deal is. It's about money. It's about anything else. Speaking of which, uh, uh, about money, uh, Japan's uh, Nippon Steel on Monday announced that it will buy U.S. steel for $14.9 billion. One of America's most iconic companies will be owned by a foreign entity despite domestic interests earlier this year. The $55 per share offer represents about 40% premium of where Pittsburgh-based U.S. Steel shares ended trading on Friday. It's also substantially higher than the rebuffed bids 
from the American rivals Cleveland Cliffs uh, and uh, Esmark. Um, the uh, Nippon will honor all U.S. Steel existing labor union agreements. The deal will require regulatory approval. Uh, yeah, it will. Um, I read a story, of, you know, and this is just of one of the groups that's affected by this. The steel workers up in northern Minnesota, uh, they're a little skeptical, to say the least, uh, understandably. When you look at this story, one of the things that gets put forward, and the company has proposed this, and they're talking about, this is going to be a big win. This is going to be a big win. This is going to be a big win. They always put this positive spin on this. And you should understand that there's something going on here that doesn't get talked about a lot. And that generally is the board members, the senior executives at these companies are generally going to walk away with a massive buyout, a massive bonus, a massive, you know, win. And the shareholders, especially the large corporate ones that basically, you know, are looking at these in portfolios are looking for just year-end numbers that we're going to give them super-duper high profits. They want this. This this is manipulation. This is manipulation. A few years back, Northwest Airlines was bought by Delta. And Delta Northwest was based here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I, a few years later, after this sale had happened, I actually had to do a carpool with a kid whose dad had worked as an executive uh, at the airport at, at, for the for for Northwest Airlines, and was part of that group that approved the sale to sell to Delta. And this kid was kind of a pompous little jackass, but he basically said, as I, I was driving, and he, was, and he was trying to do the bragging thing, "We get to fly anywhere we want to." You do? Why is that? Well, my dad worked in, for Northwest Airlines, and part of the deal was my family gets to fly for free, first class. For the rest of our lives. Really? No one ever mentioned that to us. That was, I don't think that was ever known in part of the, the sale deal. But this is what the kid was saying. Now, once again, take it with a grain of salt. It's what the kid's saying, but he clearly seemed to be doing a lot of traveling. And would I put it past it? Not at all. Because it goes back to the same thing I mentioned earlier in regards to like inflation. Because it's about spinning this whole thing. Spinning the story. It's not inflation if the companies that are claiming inflation is driving up prices then show up and say, wow, look, we've got record corporate profits. Inflation and record corporate profits cannot exist in the same sentence. Those are contradictory things. So either it is inflation and the company's not making record profits or it is record profits and it's not inflation it's just plain old-fashioned greed. But the industrial media, the journalists in this country, they won't report the reality of this. They won't go out there and say, well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it clearly wasn't inflation because look at all the jet skis that executive just bought. They won't do that. When you look at the sale of U.S. Steel, right now it's, oh, God, you got to get this thing through. We got to get this thing through. This is going to be such a big deal. It's going to be so good for America. And then when it's not good for America to have a foreign com- country, uh, country a, a company in a foreign country, I should say, owning one of the benchmark industries in this country, do you think that they're going to come back and they say, well, it was a good idea? No, they're going to come back and they're going to say two things. They're going to say, 
One, that, that the labor unions cost us, and that's why we had to sell. Or two, and or two, democratic policies cost us, so we had to sell. This is a game. Wealthy people look around for a company they can install themselves in for a few years, make the company ripe for picking, then basically go on out there. Because once again, I want to make sure we understand this. They turned down two domestic buy offers and were specifically waiting for the Japanese company to make an offer for U.S. steel. Think about that statement for a second. And instead, what ended up happening was they basically went with them these guys who invested a few years as executives get massive paydays, stock pro, stock owners, they get the most because it's a company trying to buy a U.S. benchmark. And in the end, we all lose. But it wasn't about Democrats and it wasn't about the unions. It was about plain old-fashioned greed. And it never gets reported factually. Chicago, have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Minneapolis-St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Tuesday, Matt and Brett here. 952-946-6205. One thing I can piggyback on this youth movement to Trump. Has anyone seen any coverage of a pro-Trump rally on any college campus? If 49% of Generation Z is supporting Trump, you would see some pro-Trump marches and rallies on campus, wouldn't you? I haven't seen any. I see, I see some guys with tiki torches every once in a while, but usually they're outnumbered about 500 to 1. And you bring the logic in this, too, where right-wingers might be thinking, well, Matt's just mad about the poll numbers. Oh, I mean, you would be seeing some sort of movement, you would think, out among young voters, and I'm not seeing that all among I'd, young people I'd, I'd, voting I see, for Trump. Okay, and, and like I said, and, and you just brought it up, it's a difference between saying young voters are upset with Joe Biden's policies with Palestine can get that or with Israel, depending on which side you're on hundred percent agreed, but then to make the next statement and now they're supporting Trump. That doesn't equate to any damn thing. Cause that doesn't make any sense. You mean the guy who wants to be harsher on the Palestinians? <laughs> that's, that's your group. Okay. No, that's not how it works. By the way, in just a few moments here, if I can give people a little, a little heads up, uh, Paul Metza was here on Friday and he talked about his big shindig he's doing with Sonny Earl tomorrow night at the Dakota, Dakota, uh, downtown. Uh, you can go over there and check this out. It is uh, going to be uh, – uh, the, the show is at 7, doors open at 5.30. The Dakota's got fantastic food, by the way, if you, you want to grab some dinner too. Um, the the uh, tickets are available at the Dakota website. Uh, just go to Dakota Nightclub and pull it up there. I think it's dakotacooks.com, dakotacooks.com. Uh, Paul Metz's Sonny Earl show tomorrow night. We have another pair of tickets to give away to that show. Don't be going anywhere because in just a few minutes, I'm going to be calling for a caller. And if you're the, the, the right number caller, you will win tickets. All right. That's coming up here in just a few moments. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So a few things we have to, to get to, but before I get to the flag, okay. Cause I think the flag actually looks pretty good. I think the flag actually looks pretty good. Um, I got to start though with, uh, the, the, the other controversial vote that's been going on. And that is with the snow creature sculpture in the global midtown global market, 
which my first insight, you know, my first reaction was, ah, and it's kind of grown on me. They have now an official name, Eddie McYetty. <laughs> Why do I, the, Mick, the Mick has to be in there somewhere, I guess, on these, these. Eddie McYetty. He's the official name of the Midtown Global Market's new snow creature. Voters selected the winning name from a list of five finalists. The contest to name snow creature drew over 500 submissions. Um, snow, uh, Snowsif, Snowsif landed runner-up with 23 fewer votes than Eddie McYetty. The other three finalists, Snoger, Walter Winter, wow, Benjamin Blizzard, wow. Each lagged the winning name, uh, lagged winning name by over 100 votes. The snow creature created by multidisciplinary artist Gustavo Boada, Boda, represented an old, friendly northern snows creature rumored to be more than 200 years old at Midtown Global Market Rights. And if he's wearing flannel, he might be an original resident. Uh, the, <laughs> the original immigrant, how about I say it like that? Um, Eddie McGetty, you think, you think people are upset about the flag? Go read some of the comments on the Eddie McYetty controversy. Really? Yeah, People are getting up in arms over this? Because they've got to find something to bitch and moan about. That's what it is. Oh, that's all this is. I'm outraged. We've gone from the flag to now the Yeti. Yeah. Have you seen the new flag? They did change yeah. it up quite, a, quite dramatically. So just a reminder, the flag design that was working was, I do believe, a four- or six-pointed star... Uh, on a blue, on, on the left side of the flag was a blue emblem that kind of looked like Minnesota, only if it was Minnesota written, written, uh, drawn by a three-year-old. Uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really to it wasn't really to scale, but it, it it had kind of a chevron on the side, and then the original design had a white stripe, a blue stripe, and a green stripe. What they've done, and there was actually we talked with Anita Gall about this. The white stripe on the top is actually a no-no. You don't want to do that. And I didn't know that. It's a, I don't know. There's apparently style experts when it comes to flags. You, you, it, it, white in winter. <laughs> that's, I guess, that's kind of the mentality. What kind of a gig that pays to be a flag expert? I don't. I mean, it can't be a lot of jobs out there about that. <laughs> They've gotten rid of the stripes completely. Now the right side of the flag is a light blue. So you got dark blue and light blue, which can I just be honest, I think that's the that is the best way to go because that's one thing we do have everywhere in the state is water. We have rivers, we got lakes, we got Lake Superior. You know, I'm sweaty most of the time. We've got water freaking everywhere. So, yeah, I I think that this is a I think it's a fine design. I think it's a fine selection and that will be the new state flag unless the uh, legislature chimes in. Now, I should mention, you remember when uh, Mary Franson went ballistic over, they just make it a snowflake. It, this this state's horrible. Remember that? I'm paraphrasing. But remember that? I remember that. Do you know who's on this committee with Annie DeGaulle is Drazkowski. Draz. Draz is on this. This is not the most level-headed guy. And he's a part of this. He's approved this flag. Draz. How is Mary Franson? I mean, is she... Is she is 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 he is she calling him a rhino now? Because he went with a, they designed the flag. Why don't you have a flag that desecrates the Native Americans anymore? I mean, that's is that you know I just don't get these people. 
They brought in, they had a pretty wide spectrum of individuals across all political things. I, I think it's a fine looking flag, personally. I think it looks pretty good. I do, I still do like the star, the, the, the uh, Starflake, which once again is the sci fi feature with me starring in it. Uh, Starflake, I thought was good. And if you put a, if you put Starflake on a t shirt, I'd be wearing that. I would wear that in a heartbeat. I would. Would you? I like the name Starflake. I do like the name Starflake. I didn't really have a problem with any of the finalists that were uh, on the designs. I, I think they're all a vast improvement over what we had before, not only because it was, well, obviously super offensive, but just <laughs> a flag that was way too busy. And could you even ask anyone who's complaining about this? All right. What was your favorite part about the old Minnesota state flag? Were uh, they even able to tell you anything? Uh, uh, it was square. Uh, the... <laughs> You'd have to give them three sides on that one. Uh, the one, the bellwether for it is Colorado's. That's C, the Colorado flag, because they have made so much merchandise off that's of that. That's a great, yeah, that's it's, iconic. They've, yeah. they've really done it. you got to make some merch on this, although I'm going to be very straightforward. Don't do, you got to do it up to down. you got to do it like the flag's hanging, you know, downwards, because if you had it halfway through and there was this line, it wouldn't look too good. Or do something with the star, or just bring back Starflake. Starflake was great. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Tomorrow, Paul Metza and Sonny Earl are doing their 25th anniversary show over at the Dakota. If you are caller number five, caller number five when we go into the interview here, caller number five, you'll win yourself a pair of tickets to go see Paul Metza, Sonny Earl at the Dakota tomorrow night. 952-946-6205. Brett, you talked to Patrick Cool again today, correct? Yeah, I talked to Patrick Hulikan today. We uh, mainly focused on his column, which talked about this Supreme Court case, the state Supreme Court case that had to do with school segregation and the impacts that could have in the future. Yeah. And then we'll also touch on a couple quick hitter stories, including the flag. We'll be getting uh, Patrick's flag on the flag choice and uh, a lot of other things coming up here on the interview with Patrick. Patrick Hooligan from the Minnesota Reformer with Brett right now on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And right now we are joined by Patrick Kulikan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Make sure you head over to minnesotareformer.com for the latest in Minnesota news and politics and in-depth stories that you often won't see uh, in other places. So make sure you go to minnesotareformer.com. Today on the docket, we are going to be talking about Patrick's column on school segregation in Minnesota. We'll also be touching on North Dakota being mad about another law passed by the Minnesota State Legislature, and we have a new state flag. We're going to be chatting about that as well. So lots to get to today. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So let's start off talking about your column, which has to do with segregation in Minnesota. title of your column is Minnesota Supreme Court Gets Us Closer to Ending the Travesty of Minnesota School Segregation. Now, this all stems from a Supreme Court case at the state Supreme Court, which was ruled on last week, which basically said that parents seeking desegregated public schools do not have to prove that the state of Minnesota caused the segregation, but they do have to prove that racial imbalances in schools lead to poor educational outcomes for students of color. Uh, we'll get to that latter part because Chief Justice Natalie Hudson took some uh, took an exception at that part, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But First up, before we dive in a little more, tell us a little bit about this case, this Cruz Guzman case that was at the Minnesota State Supreme Court and what it means, because this could have a big uh, impact in terms of trying to, well, desegregate many of our schools in Minnesota. 
Yeah, the, the some parents uh, sued the state of Minnesota in 2015, uh, saying that the extreme uh, de facto segregation that we see in metro school districts uh, has uh, led to uh, academic disparities uh, for children of color, and the the suit has um, worked its way up and down the court system. And we finally get this uh, important ruling from the Supreme Court last week. I think it is viewed uh, by folks that I talked to as um, a victory for the plaintiffs um, because they don't have to prove that uh, the segregation, uh, that the state caused the segregation or that they intended uh, the segregation to happen. Uh, They only have to prove uh, that the, the segregation is having an impact on the education of of children of color, and uh, folks seem to think that that's going to be uh, a relatively easy bar to clear because we've got decades of evidence on that front, um, both that segregated schools um, lead to uh, academic disparities, uh, and also that desegregated schools improve the outcomes of uh, children. Of color. I, I think this is a really important case. Um, Minnesota has, generally speaking, I think we, we have good public schools. If you are highly engaged parents um, and, and avail yourself of all the resources, um, but I think that uh, some of that, uh, the idea that we have good schools is, is a self-perception and it ignores this uh, uh, significant portion of the student population that is growing. I should note every year that uh, students of color become a bigger portion of the of the entire student uh, population, and uh, the academic achievement uh, scores, um, you know, proficiency scores are are lagging, and our state's uh, establishment, a kind of um, business and political establishment, uh, have. You could say tried various approaches to that uh, issue, um, to that problem, um, the, the the achievement gap or the opportunity gap, whatever you want to call it. They have made no headway, uh, and and to my mind, the the, the best, uh, only real proven solution to this uh, problem of opportunity gaps is to desegregate schools. It was tried in this country. Uh, vigorously for about 15 years in the 70s uh, until about the late 80s. And uh, where it was tried, it worked. Um, And then we just stopped doing it. And we resegregated our schools, and now we're living with the results. And I think when people even hear the term segregation, at least in modern times, they often get the picture of a very white, suburban, wealthy school versus an urban school in a in an area that typically has more people of color. But as you write about in your column, that's not necessarily always the case. In fact, you have your own personal example where your own kids could potentially attend two vastly different schools in St. Paul in terms of, well, the makeup of the school and the performance. And I think that really encapsulates, encapsulates the situation that this is not like a metro, or not really metro, but like an urban versus a suburban school issue. This is happening within districts already in Minneapolis and St. Paul and others where you're seeing segregation, well, within local districts. 
Yeah, this I, I want to start by saying there's going to have to be a metro. There has to be a metro solution, and, and that could be what the courts eventually order. But I do find it astounding that within St. Paul itself, and I and I think it's true in Minneapolis. It's definitely true in Minneapolis as well. But it, within St. Paul district itself, you have uh, uh, the one school. Um, I, I didn't intend for this to be a personal column, it's not, um, but but it just so happens that this school, Maxfield, uh, is is the geographic quote unquote neighborhood school for for my family. Um, and I have no doubt that the the, the parents, the, or the teachers and the the educators there, and the administrators are working very hard. Um, but they just have significant challenges. Ninety percent of the children come from uh, homes that would qualify for free and reduced price lunch. Uh, obviously, now we have universal free lunch, but uh, just as in, in terms of, of measuring the socioeconomic status, uh, 90% free and reduced price lunch. Uh, you have something like 90% of the, of the children are, are uh, ch- children of color. Um, you have uh, one in five are English language learners. And then you go to an, another elementary school not that far away, four miles in the same district. Horace Mann uh, is, is almost a mirror image with uh, 75%. Uh, and I should note that Maxfield, uh, the, the uh, uh, proficiency, um, reading and math proficiency are less than 20%. And, and at Horace Mann, it's, it's more like 75%. Uh, this is, the same, again, the same district. Uh, Horace Mann is not a magnet school or anything like that, and um, it, but it is the Maxfield Elementary is where my children would go. My oldest, uh, my one who was of school age, he doesn't go there because uh, we looked at the data and um, immediately started to try to get him into a different magnet school. Now other parents, they don't have the same information I have. They're, they um, they don't have time like I do, to be uh, as engaged. And I, I think anybody would would say that it's just, it's just deeply unfair uh, to a child to, to be uh, sent to a, um, a school that is uh, not uh, teaching proficiency in math and reading uh, simply because of their, uh, their zip code and, uh, or the neighborhood they, they, where they live. Um, and so this is a problem that this is exactly why the plaintiff sued, and and hopefully uh, within a year we'll have a trial, and uh, and then we'll have uh, conceivably a court ordered desegregation plan for the entire metro. I, I will say that that is going to be this is. I, I don't want to. I don't want people to think this is a panacea. It's actually going to be incredibly fraught uh, process politically, um, and, and it's it's going to raise a lot of um, very strong emotions. Um, and, and this is without even talking about the charter school. Um, issue that uh, I didn't really address in this column, but the, there are another, the charter school parents are, are another uh, piece of this, and uh, that, that's going to be a very uh, difficult issue for, for the court to decide as well. I want to talk about something that Chief Justice Natalie Hudson uh, seemed to take issue with in this ruling, and I do want to talk about what could happen in the future with this, but I, I do want to first talk about Chief Justice Natalie Hudson, because she took issue with the idea that you need to prove that racial imbalances in schools lead to poor educational outcomes. 
And what did you find powerful about what she said? Because to me, I think you and I have talked about this, that seems kind of obvious that, well, if you're segregating your schools, that's generally going to lead to a worse performance. But the idea that, well, you have to prove it, that does seem like something she took issue with in that ruling. Yeah, so Natalie Hudson is the new Supreme Court, uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, of the state Supreme Court. She's the court's sole black jurist. And uh, I want to say that she largely agreed with the with the majority's decision, but she did take issue um, with a, with a couple issues, with a few uh, findings of the majority, and, it, and, I, and I think that they they're going to live on as as um, powerful uh, as a powerful her dissent will live on as a powerful legal document. I think first is she says uh, there's no d- real distinction between de jure and, and de facto segregation. De jure, we think we think of it as being intentional and, and bound in law. So, in other words, let's say uh, redlining, where um, we, we prevent pe- uh, black people from living in a neighborhood um, by uh, preventing banks from lending uh, to black home homeowners. So that that would be de jure segregation. Whereas the fact of segregation just kind of happened by chance and it's not in law. Um, what she does is she says there's no real distinction here because. The reason we have de facto segregation is because of government policies. Now, they, they might not be going on right now, but they uh, all of those policies from the past continue to live on. Um, and so that was one, I think, important argument she made. And then she also uh, she says um, segregation is bad, not just for black students, but for all students. Um, and the fact that we have uh, segregated schools is in itself uh, a an act of educational discrimination. Um, so I, I think she made a, a powerful uh, argument, and then of course she she just rounds up all of this evidence that uh, uh, segregated schools are are going to be uh, academically inferior, and there's no point in, in having the plaintiffs have to prove this because it's it's already been proven. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was very impressed with her dissent, um, and, and I'm happy that, uh, that she's going to, she, she will preside over, uh, any future, um, appellate rulings in this case. And last question on this. So what does happen if, uh, well, Minnesota has to go through and try to, well, desegregate some of our schools? Is this something that would come from the state legislature, a directive from the court, or what exactly might the court even rule that Minnesota has to do? Some of these appellate courts, or would this work this way back up to the Supreme Court? I'm curious kind of what happens next. Well, there's a lot of unknowns here. The the parties to the lawsuit did have a uh, settlement um, that they made. It was the, the state of Minnesota, the plaintiffs, and uh, the charter school parents, and it was something that I guess everybody could live with in terms of desegregating the schools, but also protecting uh, some of the charter schools that um, are based around uh, African culture and heritage and so forth, and so tend to have uh, tend to be heavily, heavily segregated um, by choice, if you will. Um, the, so they they presented this uh, settlement to the legislature. In 2021, it was a divided legislature. They were busy with uh, the uh, pandemic, and also I think legislators don't want any part of this. Um, it's 
it's too fraught a political issue, and so they just took a pass and didn't do anything on it. So yeah. I suspect um, we would have, uh, again, some kind of potential settlement talks, and then that could be uh, imposed judicially, um, depending on the, the outcome of a trial. Um, so, you know, I think everybody has, uh, you know, some people have, are, are knowledgeable about efforts to desegregate schools in places like Boston and Detroit, and it, it can be politically very, very ugly. And so I, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want people to think that what could happen here would be, uh, would be, um, entirely, uh, a panacea or, um, um, make us uh, united around shared civic ideals because it could be very divisive. Yeah, as always, the devil's going to be in the details. If something were to come down to force Minnesota to take significant action, and I'd probably be with you that the legislature would rather avoid having to do something, but still a long ways to go in that in that case. By the way, you can read more about that column again. It's the Minnesota Supreme Court gets us closer to ending the travesty of Minnesota school segregation over at minnesotareformer.com. I want to briefly touch on a few more stories that are in the news and I want to talk about North Dakota being mad about another law that was passed by the Minnesota State Legislature because you might remember us talking about North Dakota being unhappy about Minnesota's new free college program. Well, there's another law that Minnesota lawmakers passed that's rattled some feathers in North Dakota, and this time it's our new carbon-free law, which requires Minnesota utility companies to transition to 100% carbon-free electricity sources by 2040. That includes sources brought across state lines, which is where North Dakota comes in, because they have worries about their oil and gas companies uh, not being able to make as much money, because won't somebody think about the oil and gas companies? Over half of the electricity generated in North Dakota goes to out-of-state customers, and most of that supply goes to Minnesota. So you can probably understand why North Dakota is a little concerned about this law that was passed in Minnesota. So I'm curious, what exactly does North Dakota want us to do with our carbon-free law? And I guess uh, more importantly, are any of the Minnesota politicians listening to what's happening in North Dakota? I I think that uh, for some Democrats in in Minnesota, this is the fight that they probably want to have because it it gets uh, allows them to frame this as an issue of Minnesota um, moving toward a cleaner energy future. Um, and in opposition to uh, the dirty petrol state that is uh, North Dakota. Um, legally, North Dakota did successfully uh, sue Minnesota after the 2007 law uh, that did not, uh, was supposed to prohibit uh, Minnesota power generators from importing coal from other states. This is viewed as an unconstitutional um, violation of the Commerce Clause. So I don't. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think that they, the, the the case would be nearly as uh, clean cut um, on this time uh, from preventing Minnesota from enacting its uh, law to uh, decarbonize our our energy um, our utilities by 2040. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We kind of uh, my colleagues in North Dakota thought maybe they would decide on a lawsuit yesterday um, and uh, it turns out they did not apparently they're still still discussing it 
You can read more about that over at minnesotareformer.com, minnesotareformer.com. And one more brief story to talk about, and, well, this is uh, something that I think a lot of folks are paying, paying attention to. We have a new state flag in Minnesota, which was uh, chosen today. Uh, best way to describe it, it's the flag with the white star on the left side uh, with a dark blue background on the left with a lighter blue uh, background on the right side. It is the new flag that has been chosen for Minnesota uh, we've had a chance here on the Matt McNeil Show to talk a little bit about this process of uh, how the flag was chosen. Anita Gall's been on the show a number of times talking about that. And I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are on this, Patrick, and at least the process as well when it comes to choosing the state flag, because I always kind of get a kick whenever uh, something like this happens, because so many people go through and say, well, I hate this flag. I don't like these designs and a lot of negativity. But overall, I kind of like this flag. It's a good, simple design, and I think an improvement on our current one, which was a uh, not only pretty offensive, but also a very, very busy state flag as well. Yeah, uh, I think it's been a fun process, um, even as, as polarizing as it's, as it's been. I think that the, the flag, uh, um, I think it really embodies uh, a great Minnesota attitude, which is, uh, eh, it's, it's good enough. <laughs> it could have been, and it could have been worse. <laughs> um, I, I think if, if, we, uh, if we look at the... Uh, State flags from around the country. I think what we'll find is that this one is going to be known. Uh, if you if you can if you look at them all, um, it's got some nice. It's simple, um, and um, and it's it's elegant in its simplicity. And I think it's going to look good on uh, t-shirts and hats. Um, and that's ultimately what you want. And it's not offensive. Um, so. Overall, uh, you know, you you uh, you get a committee to design a horse, and they they wind up with a camel. I think that's the old saying. Um, but this, uh, I'm okay with it because they almost went down some really bad roads. It's not as good as having a. Uh, my favorite was the picture of the uh, of the uh, um, dog, <laughs> um, the Labrador. <laughs> I couldn't think of the, the breed. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that would have been something, but uh, barring that, I'm fine with this. Yeah, I think so as well. We were joking a little too. You could do like a prince themed flag, but yeah, the, the simple is probably the best way to go, and especially an improvement on the uh, on the old flag we had, which uh, didn't exactly uh, depict Native Americans in a very positive light. So this one, uh, yeah, I think is a big big improvement. Uh, you can check it out. Pretty much just Google the MN. Minnesota state flag. You'll be able to find it on there and the, the design that they ended up choosing. We have been speaking with Patrick Hulican. He is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Again, make sure you go to minnesotareformer.com for all the great uh, news they cover here in Minnesota in our political scene and just in general news in particular in minnesotareformer.com. Patrick, as always, thanks for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure and happy holidays uh, to everybody. And uh, We'll talk to you in the new year. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950. All the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, we're going to let this play out a little bit. It's the most wonderful time of the year. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. The, the Christmas music hits, man. It smacks, man. I'm liking this. Mm-hmm. 
952-946-6205. And let me say happy holidays to all traders out there. <laughs> oh, it's not going to be a good one for you. Particularly one. Gotta catch them all, man. We gotta catch them all. All of them. From January 6th, we have to catch them all. And, uh-oh, we got another one here in Minnesota. You, you can't try to hide now. You just not nearly as bold and brave as you were before. <laughs> You're now a victim, right? <laughs> You're lucky I'm not the judge, dude. A tip from a high school classmate. Bet that's going to be an awkward reunion. Led to the FBI to arrest a Lakeville man who has been charged with invading the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th insurrection of 2021. Martin James Kudo, 43, was charged with illegal entry into the Capitol with the attempt to disrupt the U.S. House of Representatives that was about to formally accept the election of Joe Biden as president over incumbent Donald Trump. Kudo was arrested Monday in Lakeville. Oh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Court records do not list an attorney for him yet or what he is due to appear in U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia. The criminal complaint said the classmate's tip included a selfie that Kudo posted shortly after the insurrection showing him in the Capitol. That would be a crime. Questioned in the Twin Cities by the FBI one week after the riot, Kudo was shown the photo and confirmed that he was the individual depicted the complaint continued. He also told the FBI agents that he traveled by commercial air January 4th with his mother and stepfather to Washington, and they attended the Stop the Steal protest, which featured Trump and other speakers who touted the false claim the 45th president had been cheated out of the second term. Funny story, he wasn't. He lost. You're all sore losers, and now you're a criminal. By the way, did mom and stepdad go in the Capitol too? Well, have we got a gift for them, some stocking stuffers. Courtesy of the FBI. The complaint filed under seal last week at the U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia doesn't explain why the charges were not filed until nearly three years after the FBI questioned him because they got a lot of people they're charging. The charging document was laden with photographs that prosecutors say capture Kudo walking towards the Capitol grounds from the ellipse near the White House, where Trump encouraged tens of thousands of protesters to march on the Capitol and call out House Republicans who said were poised to join Democrats and certify in the election for Biden. After leaving the ellipse, Kudo and many others breached police barricades ahead of entering the Capitol. The complaint continued. Uh, along with interior video surfacing images of Kudo's movements, the complaint includes what the prosecution says is the selfie he took while wearing a COVID mask designed as the American flag and a Trump 45 cap. Kudo eventually gave in to police demands and exited the Capitol with many of the other riders, but he remained on the grounds till about 5 p.m., the complaint said. He later told the FBI that he realized once he got back to his hotel room that he might be in trouble for his participation in the attempt to overthrow the government. You think? You think, brain trust? You think? Trying to overthrow the government of the United States? Shame on you. Shame on you. According to the U.S. Justice Department database, Kudo is the 14th Minnesotan charged with having a role in the January 6th insurrection. Last month, Victoria White of Rochester pleaded guilty to one felony count of interfering with law enforcement on January 6th, was sentenced to 10 days in prison. White's sentence also included three months of home confinement and two years of supervised release. 
Some among those in the crowd broke into the building, sprawling and the destructive mayhem that sent members of Congress, among others, running for their lives. The certification proceedings were halted, but ultimately carried out that day. Since January 6, more than 1,200 people have been charged in connection with the breach of the Capitol, including more than 400 individuals charged with assaulting and repeating law enforcement. I can tell you exactly why it probably took three years to charge this guy. It's because you only have so much court time. And you you clearly have people like the 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 you know MAGA the, the QAnon shaman and stuff like that, the people bringing zip ties in, the guys that were brought bring on body armor and people that were beating the cops. Clearly, those were the high priority cases, and there still are. By the way, are a lot of people out there, real brave people who are now cowering in fear because I don't want to be held accountable for my actions. But this is why it takes a while. So the guy walked around. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be. I, you know, I would hope to see maybe a month or so in prison. Teach him a little bit of a lesson. Teach him a little bit that, you know what? If your guy loses, just own up and be a man. How about that? Be a man, accept the loss, and move on with your life. Don't go into the Capitol where people are wiping feces all over the wall and act like we made a difference. Until about 5.45 that afternoon, I need to scrub my social media pages. <laughs> we forget. What was the name of that that uh, video streaming uh, internet social media service that they left all the evidence up on and someone was able to download all of it? Uh, was that Parler? Parler, was it? I think it might have been. All of it. You guys gave up the ghost to yourself. Here's the, here, all of them, and all of them on that. Proud as the day is long. <gasps> I'm, you know, the truth is, I am so tired of these clowns. I'm so tired of bravado and tough guy talk, and then they get into court, and then all of a sudden, I was betrayed. I'm the real victim here. I'm so, so sorry. Only to walk out of the court five minutes later and go, I was so right in what I did. I'm tired of it, man. So I have zero, zero problem with these guys getting, you know, you know, smacked around in the courts. I have no problem with it. And it comes down to, I mean, and I, to a point, I think that they have done a good job of holding these guys accountable. But what what we are in a unique time in is we have a news media, particularly the right-wing news media, who is intent on making sure that they are the heroes of this story. And that is that has legs. That has that has legs and it has it's 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 got run and yeah, it's it's kind of scary when you think about it the amount of effort that these people are putting in to basically make sure that, you know, these guys aren't labeled. I mean, Ashley Babbitt's a traitor to the country. Ashley Babbitt was ordered to not go through the window. She came through the window. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I was in the military. I was on guard duty. If I was on guard duty and they were trying to storm the U.S. house and I said, stop coming through the window, stop coming through the window, she came through the window, I, I put a round in her too. Because that's what you're supposed to do. So and so this this attempt to try to 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 try to revisit this, stop it. 
You guys were a bunch of sore, pathetic losers. You guys need to man up. You lost. Take the L. The same people who for four years ran around with your liberal tears coffee mug. <laughs> Hillary lost. Donald won. Ha, 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 ha. And then all of a sudden, and I remember, who was it? Uh, the, the, the real world girl that's on Fox and Friends in the morning on the weekends. Campos. You know, she was on there and she was, these Democrats. They need to be nice to us because this hurt. Shut up. You guys were selling you guys were selling liberal tears mugs over there, I believe. So there has to be consequences for trying to overthrow the government of the United States. You can't call that an oopsie and let it go. And I'm kind of glad. I mean, it, it, there are a lot of these people. Let's. I want to be very clear. There are a lot of them who basically are first to say this was a mistake. I was brainwashed. I was in the QAnon cult. I've got counseling. Um, my family was trying to warn me against this. I, I've now got them together. There are people who have come. They had their come to Jesus moment, particularly after all of a sudden you spend a few days in jail. And guess what? It becomes very real that you guys are in trouble. But I, you know, I also, like I said, I don't have a lot of patience for people, a lot of patience for people who basically uh, spent the last three years hiding. Hopefully they don't find me. Uh, one thing if I want to uh, make sure I mention uh, here is 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 Rudy Giuliani. Just uh, It's a national story, but I did want to make sure I mentioned this because... Yeah. Speaking of court cases, he's back out there insisting that the women he was just found guilty of defaming, he owes them $148 million. And what does he do? He goes on Newsmax and he repeats the line. He does. Giuliani still repeating the same falsehoods that left him with $148 million for the debt. A former attorney for Donald Trump doubled down in his election fraud nonsense on Newsmax on Monday. Now, it should be noted, the ruling came against him last Friday. So I'm pretty sure he's aware that he lost that case at that point. His election fraud nonsense on Newsmax on Monday, two days after two Georgia election officials, Ruby Freeman and uh, Andrea Shea Moss, won $148 million defamation verdict against him. Giuliani insisted to reporters at the start of the trial that the things he said about the women were true, even though he had previously conceded they were false. He pledged to prove it on the stand, then declined to testify when it came time. Oh, God. I have to imagine that every lawyer in that law firm that was representing him looked at him and said, for God's sakes, do not Get on that stand. Don't do it. Don't do it. You will destroy any chance you have at, 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 at winning this. Because we should be reminded, a week ago this last Monday, he went out to the media after it was clear that he was wrong and insisted he was right then. So a week ago Monday, and then this, next, this last Monday, he's on Newsmax. New York City Mayor was back in an interview with Newsmax host Rob Schmidt. Your initial allegations, do you still believe them to be true? Schmidt said, not doing Rudy any favors. Yeah, well, of course they'll sue me again for when I say that. But yeah, I do. 
but they want me to lie. They're basically, they're suing me in order to lie to them. No, you had your chance to prove you weren't lying. You, you had your chance to prove you were not lying in court and you couldn't do that. You couldn't do it even close to it. You had a press conference at a landscaping place. <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments. <laughs> we're going to do it at the Four Seasons. I still to this day would love to know what that conversation was like. Hi, the Four Seasons Landscaping. Hi, this is Rudy Giuliani. Hey, we want to do a press conference outside of your business. Are you sure you want Four Seasons Landscaping, not the Four Seasons? Nope, you, you're the place. We want to do it there. Okay. Do you want to do it near the porn store or <laughs> by the parking lot? Uh, then Rudy doubled down. If I showed you the evidence right now, and I think you've pay, played it on your air, people would see what I was absolutely true. Well, why didn't you show the evidence in your trial, you complete and total idiot? This is what you get. When you get these people that just their daily affirmations with internet trolls are never ending and constant. You just get this whole world where it's like, yeah, I'm not wrong. Jeff is in Cambridge. He wanted to chime in. Welcome on in, Jeff. Yeah. Every time I hear about one of these light sentences, 10 days, you know, in jail uh, for these, these people, you know, what I think they couldn't do it, but it would have been great if they could have charged them all with conspiracy. And the way this conspiracy works is, one crime uh, is covered by everybody. So if somebody murders somebody and you're in a conspiracy with them, you may have been in a different state, but if you're in a conspiracy, you get charged with murder. They all should have been charged with the most extreme charges possible for what they did. It's interesting because, Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate the phone call. It's an interesting point because one could make an argument the fact that, as this guy did, he flew to he flew to Washington D.C. He wasn't just out there to look at the Smithsonian. And, oh, look, here's a, a march. No, all these people with intent went to Washington D.C. to try to disrupt the verification that Joe Biden kicked Donald Trump's ass. They all went there to do that. There have been some people who have said it's not nearly the more difficult. Conspiracy. The problem is, is that you are going to get people considering there were people that just went and saw the speeches and then went back to their hotel rooms that they basically, um, that some of those people would, um, um, they, they would easily have a defense saying that they weren't part of a conspiracy. They were truly there. And so where do you end that line? It becomes a very difficult line to be able to draw with any kind of distinction. So. That's kind of the problem. But, I mean, I've actually, like I said, there have been lawyers who have said, yeah, this could easily be a, a RICO case, a conspiracy case. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Of course, that would let Trump off the hook, too. So we don't want to do that. Let's take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Something called Natalie Zelens Zelenicker, who is running for a house, I guess, in 3B up in the very northern part of the state. 
Uh, this is the worst take uh, as, as on the flag. Uh, Minnesota State flag is the commission member selection. Second flag shows a flag from uh, Puntland, Somalia. Interesting, to say the least. Disappointing is an understatement. Unacceptable. Bring this to the voters and let the voice be heard. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, first of all, um, it looks nothing like the Somali flag. It's very different, and especially with if you're going to to do this, make sure you have the actual correct flag because that's not the flag that they chose. You actually chose one of the original earlier versions, and it doesn't look as it it doesn't look anything like it anymore. But and and by the way, and also should I mention this? She specifically found a version of the flag which wasn't under consideration, which is the original flag that won the 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 draw had white on the top, blue in the middle, and green. She specifically posted a flag that had white in the middle just so it matched the Somali flag that or not matched. I mean it's it's still a long ways away. But yeah, good luck. And by the way, when another Republican, I'm going to presume a Republican whose whose website's all in blue, because heaven forbid you think that I'm actually a proud Republican, because that will point people out. I I can't be known as a Republican. You know, sorry, your life sucks so much. Maybe you should move. And you know what? Can, Can we offer a service of some sort, a free truck? a moving truck to anyone that really can't stand being here that much, we'll help you get out of here. Bye-bye. Because you'll be happier, and trust us, we'll be happier too. 952-946-6205. The final thing here is, and this seems to be getting a lot of concern, especially up in the Duluth area. Hello, Duluth. Oh, yeah. Crepes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, the fish were biting today. Anyway. Uh, the world's largest flesh, freshwater, freshwater, <laughs> I've been there. Uh, the world's largest freshwater sandbar, Point uh, Park Point in Duluth, is obviously a unique place to live. Dozens of homes, condos. That's that big spit of land that goes when the, the lift bridge, you go on out. That's all, even though it goes well over on northern north of uh, Wisconsin, that's all Minnesota there. Um, apparently... The Kathy Cargill of that Cargill, uh, heir to the vast fortune uh, provided by the evil agribusiness, and they put the, quote, evil agribusiness company that bears her husband's names, planned to, they've torn down, was it seven? Stretch of land, they've put down seven lots, and it sounds like they're going to be planning on building something there. Um, That, you know, she basically bought a whole bunch of places uh, there and it sounds like she's going to do something. My guess is going to be a big house for herself. Seven addresses, a combined 4.6 million over the past year, two million over market value. So she's paying more than the houses are worth dramatically per the St. Louis County tax data. Sounds a little bit of the Count of Monte Cristo, if you ask me. So, you know, they don't, she doesn't said what they're going to do. They haven't started building anything. There haven't been any plans come together, but. It does look like they're, you know, it. my guess is going to be it's going to be a massive mansion of look at me, look at me, look at me. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> That's where we're going again. Uh, go to AM950 Radio. Find out as much as you can about getting a membership. You could get a calendar as a thank you. Go to AM950Radio.com. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back on a Wednesday. Till then, see ya.